Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Becoming. Today we have a very special guest. This is Coach Joshua Harper, and he's going to be on here to talk about his journey of becoming a coach, becoming a trainer, um, and just share some of his knowledge with us. So to get started, uh, Coach Harper, what was your inspiration behind wanting to become a basketball coach? Um, I guess when I got towards the end of my playing career and I started training uh, my former teammates, I, it just took off from there, honestly. And I, I wanted to to be that middle guy from the, the playing to performing on the court, if that makes sense. So, yeah, that that's what really started it, honestly. When when I started training my my former teammates in college, and it just really took off from there, and I never looked back. When you were coming up, you know, as a high schooler or when you were in college, was there anybody that you saw that was doing training that was a, a full time trainer or a coach that you wanted to be like, or was this just something that you wanted on your own? Um. Honestly, it really wasn't. It was it was a handful of people, but like they were only working out with with the elite. So, I mean, you had to. They had to know you, and for them to for you to get in the gym with them. So, for the most part, honestly, I did, and that's another reason why I became a trainer. Cause during my area, it really wasn't that many, but now it's a lot, which which is crazy. But mm, honestly, no. The only one that really, really did influence me that didn't involve training was one of my AU coaches and my mentors. It was like, I always got to give back. I got to give back. I got to give back. So I just always kept that in my head. And one of the ways I could give back was training. And then it's turned into what it is now. Yeah, so you mentioned that, you know, when you first got into it, there weren't a lot of trainers out there, but now there's a lot of them. So... What would you say is the best way to stand out and separate yourself from other trainers? Um, just sticking to your craft, honestly, and perfecting your craft. Like each trainer brings something different to the table. So, um, my focus is a lot of game reps, a lot of a lot of shots. Another trainer's focus is maybe ball handling and finish, like whatever it is. So as a me as a trainer, I have to perfect my craft and promote and display myself in everywhere I can and be consistent with it. So just doing that is everything else to take care of itself, honestly, because people are gravitate towards you if they feel they need that kind of training. And if they don't, then they just don't. So just perfecting your craft, honestly. Yeah, I think it's, it's really important to teach the things that you know really well. Yes, definitely. Instead of trying to teach a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did it take you to really find your niche, you know, find the thing that made you who you are as a trainer? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> it took... Thank you. There was a lot of trial and error, especially with, well, like I said before, when I trained my... Uh, my, my college teammates, it was a lot of trial and error, but it wasn't that bad because, like, I know the game. And, like, what I did with them is, um, like, whatever sets they were running, 
I would implement that in a workout. So what I do now is like the, the basics of basketball, I teach it. Like if I know you're at a certain high school or you, a certain AAU program um, and I know what they're running or I'll reach out to a coach and I know what they're running, I'm gonna implement that in the workout. So that way you'll look good and I'll look good. So I'll say about, it took about three years, honestly, to like really, to really get where I'm at. And I still need to grow. So, but I, I feel like I'm in a real good place. Um, so you've been a middle school coach. So just talk about how you got that opportunity and, you know, kind of give the listeners an insight on your experience as being a middle school coach. Uh, fresh out of college, just literally just graduated. I graduated in December. Um, I came home. My little cousin, uh, Tori Kelly, I watched one of his games. And literally two days afterwards, I texted him. I said, hey, man, your game's solid, but, like, we're going to get you there. Like, I'll get you there. So season was over. Started working him out. The same school he was at, I heard they had an opening. So I emailed the athletic director and gave me the job. And as far as the middle school, like the experience, like it's been wonderful, honestly, because like it's it's pure. Like you don't gotta you don't have to get rid of the bad habits too much, you know, because like the, the upper, like the more the higher you go in basketball, like it's some players may be too stuck in their ways and it's hard to get out. But as far as middle school, man, it was you know, I had a great experience here. One or two championships and so yeah. I loved it. I'm gonna miss it. I'm gonna miss it. <laughs> yeah, I really like what you said there towards the end about how you know starting at the middle school level, you can kind of fix their bad habits before they form. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know if you get to high school, they've already developed those bad habits, and it's a lot harder to Definitely. to kind of get them back on the right direction. You know when they only have maybe one year left to play. Um, so. I'm a middle school coach myself oh, as well. Oh, okay, okay. And, uh, yeah, so I personally think that uh, being a middle school coach is the most important job in the program because you're the first one that's teaching them, you know, kind of being a part of, like, a real team. Right. Because they've been a part of, you know, rec league teams, and, you know, this is just a, a more serious level of, it's, of basketball. It's, it's different. Um. Yeah, so would you agree that the middle school coach is the most important position in a program? And just kind of, if you do agree, just kind of explain why. Um, I, I do agree because, again, a, AAU basketball will only get you, well, it'll, it'll take you a lot of places, but to play high school basketball and college basketball, like you have to have like that foundation of being disciplined or being coachable and all of that stuff, like a, a nonstop effort. So if, if you don't have, and I feel like middle school, don't get me wrong, some AAU programs do do that. Some rec league programs do do that. But as far as school, like school basketball, like you have to have those things to produce and to, to get viable playing time. So being a middle school coach or a high school coach or a college coach, like as a middle school coach, like we start there. Their, their progression on 
So it is, it is huge for every middle school coach. It is huge. It is imperative that y'all set those foundations and those rules and just build on it from there. You know, when you're working with, with younger players, you know, middle school, you're working with mainly kids who are 11 to 14 years old for the most part. Um, so when you're teaching them, you know, whether it's offense or defense or kind of trying to implement your style of play, right. how much information is too much? Because I think, you know, it's probably best to keep it simple, but at the same time, you want to make sure that they're prepared. Right. So how do you kind of determine how much is too much versus not enough? Um, Honestly, and, and from my own experience, it was – and that's a that's the flip side of middle school is like almost never the same because you only get the players for two years, right? So my first year I had fourteen kids on my team. <laughs> Out of the fourteen, most of them was eighth graders. So I probably only had three or four seventh graders on my team. So that group was had a, a good enough IQ that I can teach them more than just the basics. You know what I'm saying so. The year after that, obviously, it's my rebuilding year, and most of those kids did come from a rec league program, and um, their IQ wasn't as high, so the basis was all I could teach them, like simple passes, teaching the back doors, teaching ball screens, teaching handoffs, like we did, and it didn't really like click in, click in into the middle of the season, halfway towards the end, so it honestly, it varies. It varies per team, definitely. Right, yeah, you know, if you have some more skilled players, then you can, you know, give them some more information, some more advanced stuff. But, you know, if you're working with guys who maybe they just started playing basketball mm -hmm. recently, then you really got to strip it down to the to the basics. Yeah, please keep it um, simple. <laughs> yeah, no, keep it, keeping it simple, I think, is is really the biggest thing mm -hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of coaches just overcomplicate things and the kids never never learn that way right um at the middle school level i want to get your opinion on playing zone defense because i think that's kind of a uh you know kind of a hot a hot button issue for a lot of youth basketball coaches um i personally don't play any zone defense uh, it's man to man the whole time right. the whole season um, so what what is your opinion on zone defense at the middle school or lower levels of basketball? Um, I do play zone. I do play zone. But in a full game, I'll probably play 20 to 30% of zone. Honestly, I'm, I'm a hard-down man-to-man coach. Like, I, I like my guys picking up full court. Uh, denying the ball, fronting the pose, like I, I'm one of those coaches. But if I feel like, again, back to the type of players I have, um, if they can't grasp the help cons, like help defense or the deny or to send your man to one side of the court, then I have to use the zone a little more. But for the most part, I feel like every middle schooler should know how to play man-to-man -man and know the basic man-to-man -man principles like everyone should every middle schooler should know that every coach should teach that if you watch college basketball how often do they play zone like not not a lot the only one that's really known for it is syracuse but right. everybody else they're 
the their go-to is man-to-man defense. Now they may run different sets out of that man-to-man defense, but for the most part, is is man-to-man defense. So it may take time, and it's going to take time for certain groups. But every middle schooler should should definitely understand the concept of man-to-man and and what it entails. Definitely. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I just think it's better for their overall development. Right, definitely. You know, definitely. if they can learn how to keep a guy in front rather than, you know, just playing in the zone. Right. You don't really get the same type of, of reps, you know, to become a better individual defender. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree. Everybody should learn how to play man-to-man. Um, so I think another one of the reasons why – you know, I believe being a middle school coach is so important because you're really one of the first coaches that they have. So you're partially responsible, or I guess you could say mostly responsible <laughs> yeah. for, you know, teaching them the passion, getting them to be more passionate about the game so that they can love the game more. And that will hopefully carry over into their high school career right. so they can continue to play. So what are some of the ways that you help your, your players become more passionate and develop more love for the game of basketball? Oh, that's a good question. So thank you. I like to make every, like I have to, I have to really get to know a player. So my, every year my goal is to, to really understand a player and find out what makes them tick, like what makes them go, how they react to certain things. If I understand that, then I know what I need to do to get them to like really dive into basketball or if they really want to play basketball or they're doing it just because or whatever it is. So I tend to make it a goal of mine to make, to build a real personal relationship with my players. And then from there, just constantly just, you know, the, the feedback and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it, and it's helped me because and out of all the players, well, about 70, 85% of my players, like, I still keep in contact with. And most of them still are playing. My first group just went to college, actually. So that that's helped me. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. It, it, def- it definitely helped. Yeah, it's all about the connection. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can show that you care about them more as a person rather than just as a player, then then they'll they'll really trust and buy into what you're doing. Um, so now you're, you're transitioning into being a, a JV coach. Is yes, that correct? Yes. Jura high school. Awesome. So what do you think will be the biggest difference for you as a coach between, uh, middle school and now being at JV? Honestly, I don't, I don't know. And I haven't even, I haven't thought about it to be honest. Um, because during the during the, the summers I coach AAU as well and I have that high school group so I last year I coached ninth grade and this year I'm coming in as a JV coach coaching probably ninth and tenth grade um the only thing that I say is different is what I teach but not like the energy I come in with it'll be the same uh my approach to the kid like they'll be the same. I like still getting to know them on a personal level, but every, I honestly everything will be this. I feel like everything will be the same for me. It's just a, a, a step up. So you you know being a coach and 
a trainer, I think, gives you a unique advantage where you have, you know, a really good understanding of skill development, mm -hmm. how to develop your players. Um, so how much skill development do you do in your practices during the season? Yeah, I spend half, especially in middle school, I spend half the practice on skill development, like literally half the practice. So come in, stretch, do our warm-ups. We'll probably do three-line passing, um, a form of three-man weave, but it's not the actual weave. And then from there, skill development. And then we'll spend half the practice on skill development uh, with a few team drills, like mixed in between, and then we'll go straight to the team stuff towards the end. Because I feel like if you can't consistently dribble or consistently make a layup on right hand, left hand, left hand, right hand, whatever it is, or consistently knock down a shot to be effective in the game, then we don't need to work on nothing else. I can drop a play. Right. If you can't finish the play, then we got a problem. So I'm big big on skill development and practice real big like you're you're going to get better like you don't have a choice yeah no, i think skill development at that at that youth level should be you know majority of the practice yes um, but what are what are some of the favorite favorite drills that you do in your practices to help your players get better and and develop their skills it varies honestly but i know for the most part um, I interact with them so like in like while we're doing the drills like I'm I'm in the drills with them like I'm in the drills with them so one day I do passing um, contested layups you know I'm I'm big on contact and finishing through so we'll do a lot of contested layups we'll do a lot of movement with shots like run to the corner or slide down to the corner catch and shoot slide down to the wing catch and shoot uh, post entries like I I make a point to hit an emphasis on everything because I don't want to focus solely on one thing so like you're growing in one area but you're decreasing in another if that makes sense so I just try to like every day I try to hit I hit a focal point but for the like overall practice like I try to literally hit everything and while we're doing everything like I'm in the drill with you so it ain't like I'm just barking at you you know what would you say are the three most important skills for a youth player to have and i guess we'll, we'll we'll define youth as a player who's 15 and under um personally i think it's being able to finish through contact knock down catch and shoot jump shots and dribble against pressure so i just want to hear your opinion on what the three most important skills that you know a younger player should be able to have Definitely, definitely knock down open shots. I, every team have to have a shooter. If you can shoot the ball consistently, you're going to have a spot somewhere. Like I'm, I, I tell my players that all the time. So definitely the knock down shot. Um, again, I'm. I, I told you I'm big on being aggressive and assertive. So the finishing through contact, I'll, I'll agree with that too. And that does tie into being a great ball handler. Because again, I like. I like pesky defenders and other coaches like pesky defenders. So if I see that your guard can't handle that, I'm going to tell my best defender to get on. And I know I'm not the only coach that think that way. So them being able to handle pressure, 
is is very very vital now i will add another one and it's crazy because deep playing defense consistently like i would consider that a skill now too because it's, it's not being done like how it used is it's not being done so i'll say knocking down shots um like you said handling the ball finishing through contact and and definitely playing hard nose defense the whole game uh it, it has to be done have to First of all, I'll look at the type of shots he's shooting. Like, are they wide open from the corner, wide open from the top of the key, contested, one dribble pull-ups, like whatever it is, I'll find that out first. I'll study that, and then I'll find out where he's actually good at shooting. And then I'll, and me as a coach, I'll put him in that spot. Or if he misses from there, like, hey man, like at the Saturday practice, like you stand in the gym, like if you want to shoot, you're, you're going to put up shots. So I wouldn't tell a, a player not to shoot. I would try to find, I would try to put them in the best position to be able to be effective and, and do what he wants to do as in shoot. But other than that, like, yeah, you you got to put extra work in, especially if you're not making them. And that'll, that'll, now if you don't put the extra work in, then I have to give him the red light. Like, <laughs> but yeah. Yes. So do you have like a, a light system where some players get green lights, some players get red lights? Do you have a system like that? Or how do you determine who gets to shoot, who doesn't get to shoot um, as much? Honestly, I, ne I never gave a player a red light, never. And that's only because like, again, like how my, how my practices are, are set up, you have to be able to, you have to be able to knock down the shot. You have to be able to dribble. You have to be able to play defense. You have to be able to finish with contact. Like those, those like are my basketball morals. So since I've been in middle school, I never told a kid not to shoot. But, and that's only because I know the work they put in to be able to shoot. It may not, it may not have went in by two or three times. Like, hey man, keep shooting, keep your head up. We, we, we practice this every day. You know, I'm in the area during the game. We practice this every day. I mean, set your feet, hold your follow through. We, we good. Like it's gonna fall. If you keep missing, hey, give me that one dribble pull up we worked on. You know, so it's it's stuff like that. But yeah, I, I never gave a kid the red light. Never. I was close though. One game I was close because we was we was losing bad and we weren't losing bad. It was a close game, and he just took some crazy shots. But <laughs> other than that, uh. -uh. Yeah, I think it's important to to tell someone instead of saying no, tell them not yet. Yeah. That way they can understand that, you know, I might not be able to shoot right now, but if I continue working, if I continue to get in the gym and get up shots, then it's, maybe it's at some point I can be a reliable shooter. It's going to come. It's going to come. Exactly. Always. So just kind of going back to, you know, who you are um, as a trainer and you know, for anybody that that follows you on Twitter, you'll they'll see that you say "stay solid" a lot. <laughs> so I just want to hear your explanation of of how that came about and what that means to you. Man, honestly, I don't know where it came from. It literally just popped in my head one day. Um, I had a good week of of workouts, and this is during the AAU time, matter of fact. I had a good week of workouts and good practices with AAU 
and in the tournament I, I just found myself kept saying like stay solid stay solid it was on defense matter of fact um I just kept saying it stay solid stay solid stay solid I'm like Yo, what am I saying and it just and I apply that to everything like in life stay solid like it's gonna be hard it, like it, it ain't gonna be easy it ain't gonna be fair in the game it ain't gonna be it ain't gonna be easy it's not gonna be fair just stay solid stick to your routine stick to what you had to do if you need to adjust adjust but other than that stay solid and, and see it through so that's honestly where it came from but now it's stuck man and i can't get it out of my head i got other people saying it now so yeah that's it's 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 a lifestyle let me say that it's, it's turned into a lifestyle for me now yeah stay solid join the movement you should make some some t-shirts oh, those, or some hats they on somewhere. the way man i promise you they on the way <laughs> oh yeah we'll be, we'll be looking out for those you said it. um so my next question is you know everybody these days wants to be a dog you know everybody says oh, i'm a dog i'm a dog i got that dog in me. <laughs> right so how would you define being a dog and um how do you differentiate who's a dog versus who's not a dog who doesn't have that dog in them versus who does have that dog in them um like you said earlier like effort is very important in a, in a basketball game on every level so like how your your body language during the game whether it's good or bad um like the intensity you bring to the game like how you are around your teammates and i will i will always just me as a coach and like what i like i will always look at defense first how, how is he on defense like he chilling or is he he up he in the defender he in the offensive player face like is he talking is he active now flip that's an offense is it the same thing like is he barking or, or he just laid back chilling so, and it's from a middle school perspective, like you're not gonna find, you probably have like one or two, maybe pushing three or four. But like once you see it, like you'll know. I'm like, oh yeah, this kid, this kid really, and every coach would want that. Cause it's, it's really not much you have to tell them. They're gonna go out, they're gonna bust their butt. They're gonna dive on the floor. They gonna get every rebound. They gonna box out. They running the floor hard. Like it's it's not effort wise. It's nothing that you can tell them. You just as a coach you just have to put them in the right spot. So being like doing all those little things, that that's a dog to me. That's what I consider being a dog. Would you say that you were born a dog, or could someone become a dog? It's both. Honestly, it's both because if you're put in a certain environment, so let's, let's say like this. So my, pra my practice atmosphere is going to determine whether you're a dog or not, you know, because I'm going to bring that energy. My assistant coach, he's going to bring that energy. And like I told you before, like I in my practices, like I lace up with my players. I stretch with them. I do the drills with them. I do everything with them. So I'm going to bring that energy. Either you're going to bark back at me or you're going to fold. So you can be born with it or 
it can just grow on you and you become that person. Because after a while, you're going to be like, all right, man, coach, like you, you really, you really act like now, now I'm about to get back on you, man. Because now you really, every day you coming in here with the same energy and you're not, you're not about to keep doing this. So it's, it's both. It's, it's definitely both. But I, I like the ones that are, the ones that get it over time, I enjoy that better because like I get to see it. And I get to tell them, like, yo, you wasn't like this two, three months ago. So, like, all the work you've been putting in from here, like, you, we got to keep going. So, like, I'll, I'll take the I'll take the being grown into a dog versus just having it, if that makes sense. Um, you mentioned lacing up with, with your players and, and getting into drills, playing with them. Um, so first part of this question is, is how hard are you going? Are you going your hardest? Oh, oh, absolutely. Cause I, I lead by example. Yeah. So how would it look if I, if I'm telling you, Hey, you got to go 110, but I'm going, I'm going 40, you know, like that, that don't sit that, that wouldn't, if I was a player and my coach was in the jury, but he like BSing. I'm like, yo, my coach be yesing, so I ain't even gotta, you know what I'm saying? Like, so for the most part, like, I'm I'm sweating more than the kids, and it's not for me to prove anything to myself. It's just to get them to understand, like, this is what it takes for you to to get to the next level, and for that next level with them was high school, you know. So, yeah, it it was. I'm always I'm. <laughs> I'm always on the on the hundred when when I'm in the gym or in the drills with them. Like I'm talking, I'm hyping everybody up, like all of that. Yeah, I need all of that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm I'm the same way. Like when I play with them, I'm trying to dominate. Like I'm swatting them to half yeah, court. I'm trying to cross them up. I'm you know being physical with them on defense. I feel like that's the only way because they for the I don't know how it is in your area, but in mine like it's like they play pickup. But like it's almost like a, a buddy system pickup. Like they really don't go at each other like that. Like they'll meet up in the gym and, and they'll play, they'll get a little sweat in, but it's not it's not like a game atmosphere. So again, me feeling like the me yeah. feeling like the middleman between you and your performance in the game, me like I gotta I gotta bridge that gap. So me bridging that gap is me bringing that game atmosphere, that aggravating pesky defender, the the loud talking person on defense, like all like bring me bringing all of that in, just so you can get to where you need to be at. Yeah, I'd also say it's it can be helpful for them to play against somebody that's a lot taller, or oh, bigger, or just more skilled than they are. Of course, do you agree? Yes, with that? <laughs> we got to. Uh, I I will always say this, like I. If you can handle me talking junk to you, me playing nonstop defense on you, like you can handle a middle school kid that's that's in front of you. Right. So like it's it shouldn't like you causing a you turning a ball over without them applying pressure shouldn't be a problem for you. Because I'm gonna make you turn the ball over. They they not gonna play as hard as I am. So if you can handle me being in your face the whole practice, yelling at yelling at you like I'm like I'm playing for the other team. In any game that we walk into should be cake. Like should be easy. 
because I'm I'm the worst that you're gonna get at, if that makes sense. It's it's really helpful for them to be able to go against somebody who's gonna really push them and and you know they may not see someone who's gonna bring what you bring in during their middle school season, but at some point they will. So they can yes, rely on that yes. experience and say, I've already dealt with this, so you know they're not they're not caught by right. surprise or scared or intimidated in any way. And they new to it. Um. Um, so now will be a time where we go into one of uh, our favorite segments that we have on this show. It's called Explain That Tweet. So oh. I'm going to read back a couple of your tweets, and uh, you just have to offer an explanation on, uh, on I guess, what your, what your mind was when you, were, when you were tweeting this. So this first one says, they won't understand your dedication, and it's not your job to make them. So, kind of explain that tweet and talk about where your dedication to the game comes from. Um, that tweet, I'm, I'm a huge gym rat. Like, sun up, just like I, I'm a huge, huge gym rat. So, um, for that tweet is, like, my friends may not, well, my friends may not understand me, and like my purpose of me being in the gym so much and my dedication to the gym so much or my family members or whatever. So it like people won't understand like how loyal I am I am to the game and everything like it's given me. If that makes sense. And on the flip side to that, um other coaches and trainers or people just in general. Like they need to understand, or they don't have to understand, but what I have to offer is is very, is very valuable. And but me knowing that, I can't make you understand that. Like you just either, you just understand where I'm coming from, and you pick up what I'm putting down, or you just, uh, he he just want to be, he just posting a video that like he doing it, like no, like I'm I'm really. I really live this life. Like I'm a, a true, a true gym rat, true trainer, true coach, all of that. But that's where that came from. Yeah, yeah, you're you're really about that life. <laughs> Y'all love to bash coaches when they lose and love when they win. It's wild to me. So talk about uh, how that tweet came about. What month was that? I'm trying to. I don't know if it was that. Was I in season? Uh, I didn't write down oh, the date, um, but I did. I did some uh, some dig, some deep digging into your into your Twitter. Uh, I was watching. I'm, I can tell you one time, and I I speak on a personal experience. So this middle school season, um, the the competition is not as good as the AU season. So middle school season. I put the same time in as AAU and all of that, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, I, I get the, I hear the applauses. Like, oh, yeah, you're doing good, you know, whatever, whatever. Because even though we're – well, I never had a losing season. But even though we probably lost two or three games, it was still good. Flip towards the AAU season, you know, you lose one or two games in the AAU, in the AAU tournament, you pretty much in like the – the silver or the bronze, depending on how big the tournament is. And then it's flipped to, oh, yeah, that coach need to, he, he don't know what he's doing or whatever it is. So it's like, 
and it, and this is on every level. Like I was watching a college game, and uh, I think it was the reporter. I I forgot what game it was. A reporter was halfway bash, bashing the coach, but then a week later they was like, "Oh yeah, he good." So to me, it's like you got to pick a side. Like if y'all, if we're good, like just let us be good. We can't, you can't play. Like I hate playing to both sides. Like so, I I think that's where that came from. People, they only pay attention to the end result. They don't understand right. what all goes into it. And, you know, if you lose a game, you're the worst coach. If you win a game, you're the best coach. So, and the thing is, you know, a, a win or a loss can come down to, you know, one small little play that a coach has no control right. over. So, right. So, yeah. when, win or loss, I, I win or loss. Well, if we win, if we win. I give my players all the all the praise and glory, and everybody who acts. Hey, isn't I'm not the one out there playing their plane. But if we lose, I didn't. I was. I would say, even though I know I did, I'll say, yeah, we. I, you know, we had a probably a worth damn practice. I probably didn't go for something with them. You know, I can take the heat. I'm not gonna put heat on a kid. You know, if that makes sense. So. Yeah, that's funny though. I forgot I tweeted that. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's uh, you know, it's it's hard to tune out all the haters and the doubt and the people that are criticizing you. Um, but I think if you choose not to listen to the doubters and the people who are criticizing you, I think you also have to tune out the ones who are praising you right. and giving you compliments. So how hard is it to? to kind of balance that and tune out both because you know you want to you know when someone criticizes you you just automatically say all right well they don't really know what's going on they don't really know me but then when someone praises you it's like oh yeah you know you you really you really take that in a good way so how would you say that you you deal with balancing you know tuning out both the criticism and the support um honestly for the most part like i don't I don't take criticism nor I don't I don't credit myself to the praises because everything I've done I always feel like it's a bigger picture and I always feel like I expect like so the amount of work I put in for myself and the amount of work I put in for my team and my players like I expect great things to happen cuz we put the work in so not to sound cocky, but like when we win or when we succeed, like I I know, like I know I know we good, like I know we won the game, I know we look good on defense, like I know we run good sets, so I know that player is good because we put the work in. So as far as me listening to the praise, like I, everyone that gave me praise, I appreciate you. Everyone that talked bad about me, I appreciate you, but I'm not listening. Because I know what I put in. I know the amount of work I put in. And I know what I expect out of the game of basketball. Like, I just know. So it, it don't bother me at all. Now, sometimes I do feed into it. And I may say one or two things. But other than that, no. Like, I expect to be great. Because I put the work in to be great. Like, there's no other. There's nothing else to it. Well, this has been great. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation yes, and you know our our last question kind of ties into something that you just mentioned which is 
you know, a big part of confidence is being able to trust the work that you've put in. And so how do you get your players or the kids that you train to trust the work that they've put in? Again, it's, it's going back to to what I do as a trainer and a coach. I try to relate the game and what happens in the game. I try to emulate it as much as I can in a workout session. So, like, I'll probably give them a scenario or if we're working on a move or pick and roll or whatever, like, I'll, I'll try to, like, paint a picture in their head pretty much, get them to understand, like, yo, this is where you need to be, this is where you need to be. And then when it actually works in the game, they're like, oh, you was right. Or, yo, I, I did this move in the work, like, just, just how you said it. Or we knocked down 150 threes in the workout, you get in the game, you hit like six in a row, you know? So it's, and again, it varies from player to player, but again, you being consistent in your craft, like over time, like it's, it's gonna come and they're gonna see it. All right, man, well, this has been awesome. Really appreciate you taking the time to, to join The Becoming and share your story and, you know, kind of your journey to becoming a coach, being a trainer and, you know, how you've made an impact on all your players. So. For all those who are listening to this, I know you guys will be able to learn a lot from Coach Harper. And I think if there's one thing that we can all take away from this is that you got to stay solid. Got to. (laughs) Appreciate you for having me, man.